official Adam Sank Show merchandise at adamsank.com. T-shirts, tank tops, mugs, masks, just about everything you can think of emblazoned with the Adam Sank Show logo. Go to adamsank.com to order your merch today. Thank you. is the Adam Sank Show. If it's in my hand, I'm going to suck it. Powered by DNR Studios. And now... The one, the only, Adam Sank! Bottom. Gobble, gobble, motherfuckers. Happy Thanksgiving and welcome to the Adam Sank Show. We are not live, but this is a brand new episode. If you're listening at 11 a.m. Eastern on Saturday, November 21st, JB will not stop laughing at my uh, gobble, gobble, motherfuckers. Uh, at dnrstudios.com, the only place to hear this podcast throughout the week that it first airs. If you listen elsewhere, leave us your ratings and reviews on whichever audio platform you use. Don't forget, you can win a, uh, a code to watch the brand new movie Chick Fight uh, simply by leaving us a review and sending a screenshot of it to adam at adamsank.com. Like the Facebook page, download the comedy albums, get your official ass merch, t-shirts, tank tops, even tampons. The link to all that is adamsank.com. Now they're both laughing. And remember, you can now call the ass hotline anytime you want, even when we're not on the air, and leave us a voicemail. If we think your voicemail's cute, we might play it on the air. The number for that is 804-TALK-ASS. That's 804-825-5277. I am beside myself with excitement at our guest today because Iconic does not begin to describe him. Iconic. He is... The original, the founding member of the original of the village people, Felipe Rose. He uh, played the Native American character. He also is Native American, so he, there was no appropriation going on. But uh, Felipe is a legend, and he will be talking to us about his life and career a little bit later in the hour. And I cannot wait. But first, it is time to introduce my co-host, who is wearing a T-shirt representing Cats the musical. The worst musical ever created, but I forgive him because I love him. The Prince of Pigs, Ryan Frostig, ladies and gentlemen. Jellicle pigs and jellicle, jellicle pigs, jellicle. You have to rewrite Cats as pigs. pigs. Do a whole musical about pigs. Do you know I had a brilliant idea um, to do a screening of Cats, to do Cats starring Cats, and basically play Cats and then let like actual real cats i feel like, like you've talked about this before i probably have it's it's gonna something happen you thought of point. when you were very high yeah yeah speaking of very high please welcome jb the <laughs> queen of fuckery also to the ass yes oh my god i love how you say speaking of very high i like that <laughs> i knew you would queen of fuckery that, are you gonna do a queen of fuckery jingle too i'm gonna write so many jingles okay i, I look know forward I, to this write it i haven't had a chance yet <laughs> plan it but don't do it <laughs> now last week we spent so much time talking about the election that we did didn't uh, have time for our recommended viewing. And I know that we have many listeners who depend on us yes. for their viewing recommendations. So Absolutely. let's start with uh, with Ryan Frosty. I'm, I'm going to go last. Let's start. Okay. With let's start with, uh, well, let's start with JB. Okay. Oh, sure. Well, what a shock. What a twist. Um, okay. What a twist. So I've, uh, two weeks ago, I said I watched Parkers. I finished Parkers. It actually got a series finale. It ended. So I'm oh, very, good. I'm very A black happy. show yeah. that had a fin- proper finale. I know. Baby, so happy. <laughs> uh, so the, I continue on my black show vibes, and they added the Dave Chappelle show on Netflix. I was like, oh, I do love this. I do love Dave Chappelle. But I was like, I'm watching. I was like, oh, Dave. Dave is a smart guy. Like he he made he made a way for us to talk about race in a very funny and open way. That it's supposed to it's supposed to touch on the issues of black people, while not making it seem like it's a cry for help. I can't tell if you like it or you don't like it. No, I, I do like it. I thought, I thought it was a great, interesting way to have this conversation. And I, I realized that some of my people in the past, like I guess Six is one of them, where I have these racial conversations with him. It's easier to talk to him. Because he, he grew up watching this show. He, he ah, knew, uh, so like, it was important. Yeah, it, it's it's very important show to have a conversation starter with people and to understand what other person's coming from. So I, I know it's a comedy, but... You're supposed to laugh and enjoy it. It's a great it's, mellow. It, what it is is it's great satire. Yes. And satire is both funny and insightful. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
I admire Chappelle and I thought that show was genius. I do not like him. We've talked about this before. Yep. <laughs> I really dislike him as a person. And I mean, I don't know him personally, but based on his persona and especially in recent years, yeah. I do not enjoy his material. And I thought his Saturday Night Live monologue was an abomination. Mm. Now, I will say that I am in the minority. Most of America, black and white, thought that he was brilliant and hilarious. I was really uncomfortable. Hmm. I don't know what it is about him. I find him very off-putting. And I thought his joke about Freddie Mercury getting AIDS, being analogous to Donald Trump getting COVID, Ugh. was unfunny, tasteless, yeah. cruel, n not in any way a good joke. Like, I, I, I just don't yeah. get it. But I agree with you that the show was brilliant. That show was brilliant. And sure. I think uh, I'd, I'd love for him to return to that level of brilliance. Granted, it was only like two seasons, and uh, the third season was like three episodes because he he vanished. <laughs> yeah, well, he's obviously a he's an interesting character. Yeah, um, I'm going to so I'm, I'm going to recommend my show with a uh, with a caveat. I would never have watched this on my own. I'm living with two people in the Inwood neighborhood of Manhattan right now, and one of them very much wanted to watch The Queen's Gambit on Netflix, which is this new show, a new series about a child uh, chess prodigy who then grows up and becomes like a, an international chess champion. If you like chess, the game, if you're really a, into chess, you'll love this. I found it a little slow because there's so much chess and I don't play chess and I don't right. give a fuck about chess. Right. That said, the performances were great and the costumes were gorgeous. It's a sumptuous uh, show to watch visually. It takes place in the 60s. And her, every one of her outfits is like uh, a masterpiece. So if for no other reason, watch The Queen's Gambit. She's also, I can't remember her name. She's a new actress. She's very good. Um, but uh, again, if you're not into chess, you might uh, want to skip this one. Okay. Go ahead, Ryan. Okay, so my recommendation, I told Adam yesterday, is a little abstract. And the reason um, it's abstract is because I actually have not been watching a lot of TV or movies. I've actually been trying to disconnect from, you know, my phone, just screens in general. <laughs> so hear me out. I'm listening. So everyone knows I am a huge fag. And every year that I am able to, I, um, in, in pre-COVID times, <clears throat> excuse me, I love going to the Broadway flea market in September, which is um, basically like a fundraiser for uh, Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS. And it's like, mm -hmm. a, it's like a big like um, flea market auction. Uh, Jen Cody, your neighbor, she's usually there. Yeah, who's auctioner. been on the show before. Who's been on the show. Yes. Friend of the pod. Um, and I have been going ever since I was in high school. And like, I just love, it's like just such a fun uh, New York kind of tradition. And, and it's, it's great for Broadway nerds like me. It wasn't uh, able to happen this year. It was all virtual and, and you can't really go in and like look at the old playbills, whatever. So um, fast forward to the past month, um, I've been taking my dog Bodie, who is now five months old, for walks. We take him on three walks a day. And two days ago, we, um, we went for a walk in the rain and we were just walking around and I passed this, um, you know those like, I don't know if you have them in your neighborhood, but they, they're basically like libraries where you can like put books or like take books. It's, it's a big thing in Brooklyn. Okay, like a, like a lending library. Yeah. The free library. Yeah. So just, um, I'm walking by and I see a playbill and it's a Beauty and the Beast playbill. And I was like, hmm, that's because Beauty and the Beast hasn't been on Broadway since in a, while. In a long time. So I, I, I keep walking, but then I go back and I find like 20 playbills from like 2000, 2000, it's like the 42nd Street um, revival, uh, uh, the Rocky Horror Show revival. It's like all these old playbills from the early 2000s when like I was coming into like really loving Broadway. And I just like grabbed them and I've been reading them. And so my recommendation is just to go the fuck outside and walk around. Wow. Disconnect from TV, disconnect from social media. Even if you don't have a dog, even if you don't live in New York, or LA, if you live in the middle of nowhere, go outside. Ryan, this is such a radical departure outside. from our usual you format. You never know what you're going to find. But I agree with you. I think it's important that we all get away from our screens, especially right now. Yeah, and it's like... When it's, it's just endless uh, anxiety. It's been so stress. Like, everything's been so stressful. And just being able to look at, like, an old playbill, something that I probably could have, like, I never would have probably 
got from the Broadway fleet because I don't need any more playbills. I have right, like right. under 50, but it's just like, you never know what you're going to find if you go out and like explore. That's my recommendation. Thank you, Ryan. You're welcome. Well, that's the end of our show, ladies and gentlemen. Shut the fuck up. I've enjoyed today's episode. I tried really hard to do. I was like, I felt like that was a whole story just to say, go the fuck outside. Go outside. Why don't you go outside? Okay. I will. Goodbye. Stay in my house. My business. Shade. And wear a mask. When you go outside, wear a mask. Let's get into the stories now that we're 15 minutes into the show. I hate all of you. Okay. So, haters. Here's a great story. The Reverend Irvin Baxter Jr. was the founder of something called End Time Ministries, and he was the host of a television program called The End of the Age, which reaches 100 million households in North America. We don't realize the, the reach and the power that these insane TV evangelists have, but they, they reach hundreds of millions of people across the globe. This guy was a biggie, Irvin Baxter Jr., he uh, had blamed COVID-19, take a guess, on LGBTQ people, as well as on, um, uh, wait, what was the other thing he blamed it on? Oh, non-virgin brides. So basically women having sex before marriage and queer people were responsible. He said, quote, there are seven and a half million couples living together in the United States uh, that means 15 million people that are living together are unmarried. Um, he said, if we think we can just ignore God and live a sinful lifestyle, well, we can't do it. God is using this as a wake-up call. This coronavirus may be a privilege because I'll tell you right now, there's a much bigger judgment coming. Um, well, he died of coronavirus. Bye, shithead. <laughs> he is not dead. Ooh, turn that down. The board is too loud. Uh, and by the way, Reverend Baxter wasn't the only anti-gay preacher to die from coronavirus over the past two weeks. Another one was Bishop Harry Jackson Jr. This is actually a black right-wing evangelical, which is not that common. He was an evangelical advisor to Donald Trump. He died at the age of 66 this past week, just a few weeks after he attended the White House super spreader event hmm. in September, at which Trump introduced his nominee for the Supreme Court, Amy COVID Barrett. They have both now died of COVID. So once again, goodbye, shitheads. Coronavirus is going to get you. Another death of a preacher, man. Very good, Ryan. Thank I got a song you. in my song. In my ah, coronavirus. 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 Listen, I uh, I know we're never supposed to laugh at someone else's death, but these are evil people who are doing evil in the world, and I'm glad they're gone. I agree. And they're hypocrites. And their their propaganda is actually causing the deaths yeah. of untold people across uh, the country and the world. So with them gone, it's better. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jerry Falwell Jr. is back in the news. <laughs> If you thought that his pool boy sex scandal was over, think again, because Politico has come out with a new report with even more lurid details about the homophobic evangelical leader and his wife's not-so-Christian behavior in the bedroom. According to a former student at Liberty University, Jerry and his wife, Becky... Becky? Had a with the good hair? Becky with the bad hair. <laughs> had a game they liked to play where they would rank university students based on how much they wanted to have sex with them. The former student uh, used to be in a band with Falwell's son, Trey, and he claims to have been one of Becky's uh, lovers. He says he'll never forget the time she told him about how she and her husband would stroll around the campus and point out all the young men they'd like to bone together. They were, it was always men, by the way. It wasn't like Jerry was pointing out women and she was pointing out men. They were both pointing out dudes. <laughs> she and Jerry would eye people on campus, the young man said. She didn't go into specifics, but she said, oh, me and Jerry play games all the time. Like, would you rather? Giancarlo Granda, the former pool boy who broke the Falwell story wide open, uh, said that uh, he, had a, he had a similar story. He said that Jerry would often joke about having a crush on certain students. Meanwhile, last week, Falwell Jr. launched a wrongful termination lawsuit against Liberty University. Remember, he was fired and then received $10 million in a severance package, and he still is suing them for more money. Talk about a greedy, 
Closet case cuck. Closet case faggot. That's what he is. Can I just say this? Say it. I mean, they are trash. Uh, I have nothing to say about them. But I feel like I've never... The idea of, like, ranking people... Like I, I mean, I like you and I. We, we do it. We don't rank people. We just say, "Oh, that guy's hot," but we're not like, "Okay, who are the top five hottest guys we know?" Well, because we're not fourteen-year-old girls. Yeah, you're like, not in high school anymore. I know, I'm pretty sure in high school you did this. I don't. I have never ranked any. I swear oh. to God, well, I because have never you'll fuck anyone. Oh well, no, but like it's just There's so no gross. ranking system. It's like it's like it's like. It's just such a like gross. I just hate. This, it's like, gross. It's just gross. They're gross. But hold on, okay. So that you never ranked. You never ranked anyone. But I was known to rank people. But and guys also ranked women. So granted, it, this is a man and his wife. They're they're a bunch of fuckers. But I feel like if this was a normal couple, they would do this. I wouldn't have a problem. I mean, I do love a list. Yeah. By the way, I don't care. I mean, again, JB's right. I don't care if a man and a woman get their jollies by having sex with. Yeah, other guys or other women or yeah. both what or ranking. You do whatever you want. Just yeah. don't the fact that you was paying hip- these fuckers and being a hypocrite about it. Right. That's why I have an issue. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah. He's a giant hypocrite. And he wasn't paying this is me. So bizarre. He wasn't paying me. <laughs> Here's a weird story. Nor I. Here's a weird story. Uh, I really found this very confusing. So you guys know who Wentworth Miller is? Yeah, uh, he's like kind of has been now. Well, he's about to become even more of one. So Wentworth Miller, <laughs> who I always thought was so beautiful. He, he was. Especially he was when, he, when he was younger. Yeah, yeah. He has been the star of Prison Break for many oh, years. Oh, the gay guy. Yeah. Uh, I, I loved him in the CW shows. He Was he on CW he was, shows? Yeah, he, was the, he first started out in Flash as a villain. And then he, got, he was part of a TV show called DC Legends of Tomorrow. And then they killed him off. Hmm. Well, anyway... He when when Prison Break first started, he was not an out of the closet actor, but there were all these rumors about him. And then he came out and the show went off the air. And I didn't know this, but it came back and relaunched itself. Um, It's now in its uh, sixth season. And Wentworth Miller has come out and said he is basically quitting the show because he no longer wants to play heterosexual characters. Oh my God! Yes, he. First of all, in the Flash and in DC Legends Tomorrow, they had him been himself, a gay guy, and he was. It was so natural. It was so real. And I loved him. That's great, but like you're an actor, and I think you know. For so many decades, we fought for openly gay actors to be able to play straight characters right. without without the audience saying like, "Oh, he can't play that. He's gay." This was a you know this was a hard fought cultural battle and now you're basically saying you'll only play people that are exactly like yourself. He posted a blank square to his Instagram to make the announcement, which I don't really understand. He, he apparently he spends a lot a lot of time on social media. He goes, I'm not he wrote, I'm not concerned for myself. I can't be bullied in this space. I have too much power. Delete block, deactivate, etc. But I take seriously the possibility of queer kids visiting here recently out of the closet or exploring the idea. I don't want them exposed to bullshit. On a related note, I'm out of prison break officially. Not because of static on social media, although that has centered the issue. I just don't want to play straight characters. Their stories have been told and told. So no more Michael. That was the name of his character. If you were a fan of the show, hoping for additional seasons, I understand this is disappointing. I'm sorry. If you're hot and bothered because you fell in love with a fictional straight man played by a real gay one, then that's your work. I, Ryan, am I the only one baffled by this decision? I'm, I'm, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm baffled too because it's like, I guess I understand what he's trying to do, but it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't feel necessary. It's like, you're right. Like we have been fighting to be able to to have versatility, you know, in in all industries and not be pigeonholed into one thing. Um, I, this is not like moving our. This is not moving us forward. I, I don't know what this is. And as you said, his his light has dimmed quite a bit yeah. since he since Prison Break first launched. Like. You have a regular television job. You're yeah. a working actor in yeah. Hollywood during a viral plague in which 90% of actors are out of work. And you're quitting because you don't want to play a straight guy. Like, I just think it's this is the, it's a bad decision. Well, right. And this is that kind like, I, I don't know if this is him trying to make, like, a, a political statement. I don't know what this is. 
But if 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 he was trying to be a hero by doing this and being like, I'm not going to play straight characters, girl, bye. Now, I could see if he was pushing the creators of the show to make Michael come out of the closet, the sure. character, have the character turn out to be gay. And maybe he did try and maybe they were resistant to it. And that's what and this, this is, is about. Right. But uh, I just think like, you know, this is someone who's very privileged taking a stand for something that really doesn't matter all that much. And um, I'm just here to say to Hollywood, if you're listening, <laughs> I will happily play any part you want to cast me in. I will play a straight guy. I will play a serial killer. I will play a hooker. I am a hooker. You are. Um, Your spirit is. And I think I, I, I want to go on record as saying I think Wentworth Miller is making the wrong decision. That being said, Wentworth Miller, if you're listening, if you ever need your dick sucked, I won't say no. Um, Nor will I. You can definitely come to my bedroom. And get all the praises for doing all the dumb stuff you want. my bedroom, Wentworth so Miller. Take out your dick, put it inside of my oh. mouth. Slap come me. To my <laughs> what were you going to say? <laughs> Something about slapping me with your dick, mm. Wentworth. We'll work on that. Um, meanwhile. Come get this wop, yo. I, I, I hope it's not wet right now. It's always wet. Yeah, that's the point. Just yeah. Bottom. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, we weren't. We're not going to talk about the election today. Enough of that shit. However, uh, here's an interesting story out of Wyoming, and I'd like to just remind Why? the listeners that Wyoming. Why? Wyoming is the one state where we have no listeners. All right. <laughs> but I'm still going to do this story because I like it. So. In Wyoming, there is a gay, openly gay state representative named Dan Zwanitzer. That's Z-W-O-N-I-T-Z-E-R. Dan Zwanitzer. Dan Zwanitzer is a Republican. Now, you know how I normally feel about gay Republicans. I give them a lot of shit and for good reason. But he he's done something pretty amazing in Wyoming. He has successfully orchestrated efforts to defeat at least six anti-LGBTQ bills that were introduced in the Wyoming legislature and has become a powerful political voice on behalf of gay Wyomingites. Swanitzer said, I'm so proud that Wyoming, even though we're a very Republican state, that we haven't passed any anti-LGBTQ legislation. He is one of a trio of LGBTQ lawmakers in the state and the only one who is a Republican. And Wyoming, you know, considered one of the most conservative states in the country, they haven't passed any anti-gay legislation since 1977. And that's largely because, at least since 2005, that's largely because of him. And let me say this, I, I wish he were a Democrat. I wish that all LGBTQ people would stop supporting uh, a, a far right fascist party that hates us. But if you're going to be a gay Republican, be this kind of gay Republican. Actually mm. stand up for your LGBTQ family and stop discrimination from happening in your state. So I want to give him a shout out. And also, if he lived anywhere else, he probably would be a Democrat. So we need moderate de Republicans. If you're going to be a Republican, at least be reasonable and do do something good for the world. And he's doing it. So shout out to Representative State Representative David Zwanitzer of Wyoming. Here, here. What's that, JB? I said Woody Woods. <laughs> Woody Woods. Thank you. Meanwhile, uh, a gay porn star says that COVID is not killing enough people. I, I agree with that. It's not killing the dumb people who are not wearing masks, who says it's not killing real. some of them. Yeah, it's it, killing the it wrong killed people. Two, hey, listen, we just did a story. It killed those two evangelists. Two out of 25,000 no, good a people. A lot of pastors have died. A lot of anti-gay pastors who told their churches not to social socially distance or wear masks, they've died. Okay. But you're right. I think it's killing the wrong people, by and large. Anyway, Quinn Choir, that's Q-U-I-N-Q-U-I-R-E. Quinquire Quinn is a gay adult performer and the self-described number one troll since 2012. Shortly after it was announced that the U.S. had added 100,000 new coronavirus cases and 1,000 deaths to its single day tally, he took to Twitter and said he wished the numbers were even higher. On November 1st, he tweeted, COVID-19 isn't deadly enough, in my opinion. It's good to kill off the weak from a population to ensure the best survival for the group. If it kills me, it's my time, but 
but I'm tired of letting the weakest people tell us how to live our lives. Fuck you. That was his part of his tweet. After tweeting this, he turned off comments, but that didn't stop people from responding. Here's what some people were saying in response. Would you like my mom's phone number so you can personally tell her she's better off dead than alive because she has cancer? You're a white gay. You are the weakest link, and supporting eugenics isn't going to help that. You are the weakest link. Goodbye. Goodbye. Things only got worse from there because after igniting a firestorm, Choir followed up with another tweet writing, Look in your black mirror and realize you aren't as open-minded as you think. Your shallow wokeness evaporating the second time some asshole on his couch tweets is why you suffer. Uh, He also tweeted... People tweeting and canceling their subscription to porn sites I haven't worked for in years is hilarious and my greatest troll work to date. The attention has been nice because with Halloween over, I'm already so bored. So you might think that Quinn Quire is the only gay porn star as vile enough to tweet these things out, but he's not the only one. Another OnlyFans performer named Rocky Vallarta called COVID a boomer remover. I mean... Vallarta got into a heated exchange with fans a couple of weeks back during which he made all sorts of outrageous claims about the coronavirus, including people, uh, including saying that some people are taking it too seriously and that lockdowns shouldn't be enforced, quote, just so someone's grandma can live a few more years. Everyone's going to die at some point, he tweeted. The sooner we accept it, the sooner we'll be able to move forward instead of living in fear. The amount of suicides has gone up, but it's not being discussed. Poverty, economic distress, and all is being caused just so someone's grandma can live a few more years. You know what? I, I'm sorry. I just have to say, uh, these people should die. I'm, I'm serious. And, I, and to echo JB's point, like, there are a lot of people who are taking this very, very seriously. And a lot of people who aren't. But the people who are, a lot of times, they're still contracting... COVID and they're right. and the they, virus doesn't discriminate against yeah, whether you believe in it or exactly. not. Exactly. And it's just like, uh, I don't want to wish death upon anyone. But if you're saying like everyone's going to die eventually, like, then you know what? You should be the next one. Like the, the, you're basically saying, I don't care. Everyone's going to die. I, I, it just it's it. It makes me it makes me so angry. Well, they're just parroting Donald Trump's philosophy. Donald Trump believes in herd immunity. He believes that whoever dies, dies. And that's fine as long as the rest of us can, like, keep the economy chugging along. Uh, To be clear, anyone, regardless of their age or health, can die from COVID-19. Yes. Babies, children, teens, young adults, middle-aged adults, and old people have all died from this disease. And what you've heard. and, And many of the ones who have survived have lasting side effects that stay with them for months and months and months. They don't even know the long-term effects of having this virus. For some people, they have not regained their strength even six months later. They still have trouble breathing. They still get headaches. They have what's called uh, brain fog where they can't remember things. So this is just, it's sick. Dangerous. It's it's inhuman. And it's it's really, really ignorant. I agree. In other news, here's a cocktails and cock talk story. And now... Time for another stupid story from Cocktail and Cocktalk.com. Yeah, suck my cock. This is really kind of interesting to me. Uh, Cocktails and Cock Talk uh, spoke to a a, a doctor of some kind, a a researcher named Dr. Ramani Duruvasula. Uh, She's a clinical therapist who specializes in narcissistic behavior. She says that narcissists consume more porn than non-narcissists and that watching porn makes one more narcissistic. This is something she told Men's Health, so it's not just cocktails and cocktail. She says one of the core deficits in narcissism is a deficit in the capacity for intimacy. For narcissistic individuals, relationships largely serve as a tool, <laughs> tool to regulate their self-esteem. And so their relationships really aren't about love reciprocity, respect, or mutuality, but rather they're about the narcissist getting what he wants and needs from another person. So watching porn, she goes on to say, requires no empathy, no connection, no reciprocity, and no respect, and no regard for the other person. It's superficial, 
It's visual. It's hot. It's fun. Uh, but it also, a lot of porn features degradation, control, and power, and it makes no demands on the user, right? You're watching porn, pleasuring yourself. You don't have to do anything for the people on the screen. It's all mm, for you. Mm, mm. And due to the, the incessant porn now, it's just right. everywhere. It's so accessible. Narcissists continue to feed this intimacy deficit uh, and it's a problem that often goes undetected until they get into an actual relationship and have to deal with a with a living, breathing person? human being. Yeah. I believe this to be 100% true. I do too. And, you know, we've had a lot of conversations about porn mm -hmm. on this show. We've had a lot of conversations on air, off air. Um, here's my hot take for uh, 2020 and hot beyond. Take. Hot take. Um, porn is over. Porn is done. I think that you heard it here first. I think OnlyFans kind of like not that it ruined porn for me, but it's like everybody's a porn star. Everyone's a you know, like and not that that's a problem. I know that for a lot of people it's become like a source of income, you know, in this but I, I don't know. I just like I I I feel everything that, that you just said makes sense to me, but it's like more than that, um, yeah, I, I feel like I am, I find myself sometimes, even when I'm in a situation where I am with someone and I, and you know, whether it be my partner or a stranger, like <laughs> even if the sex is great, there are some times where I'm like, I need just a little boost. You're from, fantasizing from, about porn. Yes. Uh, yeah. And it, and it makes me feel gross and it makes me feel weird. And it's like, I'm still enjoying the moment, but it's just like there is a disconnect now because my brain is saying this is hot, but what you see on the Internet is even hotter. And, yes. and the, the truth is it's not even hotter. It, it really isn't because we know like we've we've talked to many um, uh, performers that they say it, it's it's really not there. There is no chemistry. There is no like it's very it's work. Yeah. And when you really think about it for what it is. It's just not sexy. So I think we should all attempt. I know it's very tempting to like. Especially nowadays. Especially nowadays. Um, but I'm trying to limit it again. Yeah. Because it, it's, it never does anything good for me. And again, I will plug this wonderful TED Talk you can watch on YouTube called The Great Porn Experiment, which really explains uh, the effect that porn has on the human brain. It does make us uh, less intimate. It, it does make us care less about our sexual partners. It makes it harder to get excited uh, emotionally or physically by a, a real human being because they can't compete with the endless images we're looking at on the screen. And, you know, ultimately, listen, if you want to spend your life just masturbating to porn and you never want to have an intimate relationship, that's your right. You can do that. But for someone like me, I really want an intimate relationship. And every time I jerk off to porn, oh. that happens. Um, I'm not, I'm getting, I'm pushing myself farther and farther away from actual people. One last thing. On yes. This. Um, so since, uh, since Bodhi came into my, into our lives, uh, Boy Wolf and I, we, we've had sex less and less just cause we've been very busy because you have a baby because we have a baby and, uh, Boy Wolf told me this morning, he's like, you know what? I'm just going to jack off like today at some point. And the last thing I said to him before I left to come record the pod was when you jack off later. I hope you think about my jiggly butt. And then I walked out the door and closed it and he laughed and I walked away. And so, yeah. I love it. Um, I'm more mad at you. If he says he's gonna jack off, you be like, uh, don't jack off, I'm coming Girl, home. Girl, we, we have a plan it. for tomorrow. I, okay, I told him, listen, I said, I said, listen, tomorrow it's gonna be a rainy day, we're gonna be inside, <sighs> we're gonna be on <sighs> standby. <sighs> the minute that puppy, <sighs> the minute that puppy, goes down for a nap, you are putting your dick inside my asshole. That's so be on, romantic. Be on standby, bitch. Yeah, All right. On that note, we have a brand new sponsor and brand new commercial music. <gasps> Hit it, JB. I'm so excited about this sponsor. Turn that music down just a touch, JB. Uh, okay, Ryan, there are two things I love more than anything. And it is not cock and balls, surprisingly. Wow. It is drinking coffee mm -hmm. and helping underprivileged kids. And now you can do both with free lunch coffee. Free lunch coffee is on a mission to end child hunger from this world. When a child doesn't have to worry about their next meal, they can focus on improving their natural gifts and talents to make a real difference in the world. 
With every bag of coffee you buy from Free Lunch Coffee, you are supporting a child to get a meal for two weeks. Free Lunch Coffee gives away 50% of the money they make to end hunger from the lives of underprivileged children. The coffee is delicious, Ryan. It's specialty grade, certified organic and fair trade. Plus, they offer a 100% money back guarantee for 30 days. Listen up, everyone. Ass listeners get a 10% discount when they use coupon code ASS. Just go to freelunchcoffee.com. Again, that's freelunchcoffee.com. Promo code ASS. Get yourself some delicious coffee while helping to feed hungry kids. What could be better than that? Nothing. That is a win-win. And we thank Free Lunch Coffee for sponsoring the ass. I really thank am very so excited that's about this really sponsor. Really cool. Yeah, that's super cool. So, and the coffee's delicious. I tried it. Mm. It's very, very good. All right, our guest today is a living legend. This is so major. A living legend, one of the original members of the iconic disco rock band, The Village People. He appeared as the Native American character from 1977 to 2017, as well as a successful solo artist who's been nominated for multiple Native American music awards. And JB is unable to reach him on the phone right now. Okay. What's okay. happening when you call? Okay. Here we go. You know I love when this happens. I actually do. I know you hate it. It makes me crazy. I know, but it gives us an opportunity, you know, to be to to think on our feet, to be, you know, to keep be in the moment. You know, this is this is uh, this is radio. This is podcast. This is what happens. All right. Well, I just texted, and so hopefully he'll pick up now. Try it again, JB. Oh, good. Thanks. JB's like, yeah, bitch, I am. Yeah, he's like, bitch, shut the fuck up. <laughs> shut the fuck up. Just shut the fuck up. Oh, do it. Yeah. This is great. This is important. We need our listeners to understand that a lot goes into making. You have no idea how much work goes into I this. do absolutely nothing. But everybody. Literally nothing but show up. I show up, eat a bagel, and talk out of my ass. And um, I appreciate that. that uh, and you get privilege. paid accordingly. Bitch, I get, yeah, I get paid in bagels, <laughs> which is actually a dream. Any luck? All right. Well, now we can do the story that I just skipped. And this is another cocktails and cock talk story. Um, cocktails, now. Co <laughs> cocktails and cock talk had a blind item, Ryan. R remind me what that means. A blind item is where they, they, t they give you some gossip, but they don't tell you who the names uh, are. Yes, and you have to says. figure them out for yourself. And there are always clues. And I just ripped this apart, and now I can't find... <laughs> Why did you rip it apart? Because I wanted to remind myself to do it next time. You're like, oh, God. <laughs> okay, here it is. Here it is. Okay, so according to Cocktails and Cock Talk, a giant Me Too scandal is about to erupt, Ooh. and it's a gay one. <gasps> uh, I hear JB speaking to our mm. guest. All right. All right. So joining us all the way from wherever he is right now, I think he's in New Jersey. Please give it up for the iconic Felipe Rose, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Felipe, are you there? Yep. Yes, yes. your iconic native call. Felipe, where are, where are you today? I'm in Asbury Park. Ooh, Beautiful lovely. Asbury Park, New Jersey. Thank you so much for joining us. Felipe, you were the second man recruited to be part of the Village People in 1977. While no, you, the first. You were the first before Ooh. before Willis. Yeah, the the producer Jacques Morali discovered me at the Anvil while I was dancing there. Yes, and we should tell our listeners the Anvil was a notorious sex club in New York City. What, tell, what were you doing there? What was your job at the Anvil? My my job was uh, let's see, 1976. I was hired. Yuba, the uh, um, African-American chiseled uh, fire dancer, brought me there uh, to audition. And at the time, it was a really, you know, leather Western bar, backroom bar. They brought me in to audition. To need, they needed more dancers. And I came in there <laughs> with sleigh bells on, moccasins, angora fur on my ankles, loincloth. Nothing wearing on the knee. No, why wear jockstrap? But you might as well go al fresco. Right. And um, and then you know they just stood there and I jumped up there and started dancing and you could hear me dancing because the percussion of the ankle bells, the bells. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And then really all hell broke loose when I grabbed a, a, one of the ropes and swung on top of the bar and in a full split did my native war call and boom, they, they hired me. And so you were essentially hired as a dancer there. Yeah, and then they started bringing in more dancers and there were strict rules, you know, you couldn't uh, patronize with the customers. You and, couldn't fraternize. Uh, Fraternize, patronize, whatever. You couldn't fuck <laughs> them. You, know, you, you, couldn't... You, it's your job. You worked. I mean, but it was long sets. And I would start at 1130 in the evening. And then I would get off work at four or five. I would always drop a hit of acid because, you know, hey. you know, I didn't want to deal with them down below. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just in your own little world. And then thing. when you got yeah, off. And then the producer, yeah. And the producer was there. Someone brought him there. And, and, um, the, he he was mesmerized by just the whole image, the whole uh, apparition, and the sound of the sleigh bells. So he brought me in first as a musician because he was working on the music for the first album of Village People. And then when he brought me into the studio to lay down sleigh bells, the sound, the percussion, uh, this guy, Peter Whitehead, that was writing the first album said, you should, if you want to put the group together, that's what you need to be in the center. Otherwise, it's just going to look like a Western West Village group and, the, and having the native in the center can make the whole situation universal. I said, OK, when I heard that, OK. Now, let's um, let's make it clear. You weren't just dressed as a native person. You actually are a native person. I am. Yeah, I'm half American Indian. My dad's Native American and he's right now lives in South Dakota. I mean, in Colorado Springs from South Dakota, from the Dakotas. He met my mother during the welding program, the uh, uh, the native program to uh, relocate, you know, welders and workers that put up a lot of the skyscrapers. Mm -hmm. My mother left Puerto Rico when she was seven years old. So she grew up in New York and she was on her way to audition at the Copa Cabana, the original Copa. At the Copa. Yeah, she said that he came down on a steel girder. That he came, that he came down like like a god from the skies. Who, Barry Manilow? No, my dad. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cute. Barry Manilow. Now, oh my god, Felipe, it was your idea that each of the village people be dressed in in distinct character costumes, right? No, not quite. Um, it was basically when uh, the Jacques realized that okay, you know what, this looks like it's going to work. We because he then saw me like a, a month later at 12 West on the West Side Highway, and I was there, and I would walk around the village, you know, dressing my gear, with my hair braided, and I would go, and then he saw me standing next to a cowboy, and then I went to Flamingo uh, that same night, and he was there, and he saw me with a guy with a construction hat on. It wasn't like it was planned; like it, that's what they would wear. They would put that on. So that's when he started formalizing the whole image and the look. And when he, when he told me in the office on the east side, little office, Can't Stop Productions, with his uh, partner, uh, Henri Bololo, he just also passed away. Yes. Um, they told me about the concept of the group. I started laughing because I thought it was just a really stupid idea. <laughs> stupid idea. You did. But you didn't. You had no idea. That through, it was the, through the auditions, Randy Jones showed up with his mustache, and he actually w was wearing a, a cowboy hat because he's from North Carolina. And then Glenn, the biker, came into audition on a dare, and he actually he was a toll collector at the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel, mm. but it was that infamous mustache that then Jacques Morale, the late Jacques Morale, said, oh, he will be the biker. So as each guy came in and then auditioned, but they had, there were auditions in San Francisco, in L.A., in Florida, and most of them were in New York. And so that's where a handful of the the contestants or the guys that we, that that were chosen after the uh, auditions, they were chosen to fill in. So then basically with the lead singer who was doing the vocals on it, he wasn't the lead singer. It was going to be another guy named Phil Herb, but he didn't want it. He was also a songwriter on the first album, but Phil Herb didn't want to go out on the road with a group. So he said, make Victor Willis the lead singer. So Victor was not a cop until the third album. Then after that, we did Macho Man. But the first album dropped right during our first gay liberation parade with the whole Anita Bryan movement mm -hmm. and all that. So that album that summer really became the, the backdrop canvas, the back musical backdrop 
to the march that went up to Central Park. Felipe, did it feel to you like an overnight phenomenon? Did you feel like one day you were an ordinary guy and the next day you were uh, famous all over the world? Or how, how long did it take for the village people to become a, a, a phenomenon? Uh, the group actually became a hit through Europe because they were from France, so that's where they broke the album there and then also in the United States. But the album charted, and we did one American bandstand appearance, and it was dreadful. So it didn't really take so maybe almost a third album to realize that while we were in a limo going to the airport or going to get on the tour bus, we would hear the songs on the radio, AM radio, um, macho man. And then that's when I we start, I started to realize that, oh, this is really turning into something. So I kind of really didn't know because we were always on the road, like forever. Um, one album after another, and we had a, a band. They were the protégés of uh, Gypsy Lane. There was a, That was the studio album that Jacques Morales used for Felicia Allen, for Dennis Parker. For, right, because you guys uh, didn't play instruments, right? No, we sang. We all sang. You sang and danced. In, in some we ways, we danced. We sang and we danced. In some ways, you were uh, an early uh, progenitor to to what we think of as today's boy bands because you were you were cast through an audition process, and you were you were cast essentially not just for your talent but for your looks. Well, the 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 look, the imagery had was played a, a very important role in in the uh, the performance of, of the group on stage. And it was like Australia, which is our biggest, uh, you know, biggest fan base, and Europe, the UK, they were calling us the original boy band. They still do. Now, I know that n not all of you were gay, uh, but but most of you were, yes? Uh, all, of, all five backup singers were gay. The lead singers always, has always been straight. Victor. But so for Victor, then Ray Simpson that I was with for 38 years. So for the rest of you and specifically for you, I have to think that once you guys blew up, there must have just been guys lining up to have sex with you. Did, were you having sex with groupies no, everywhere you really. went? No, no, it didn't happen that fast. It was a glory for the glorification wasn't that quick. It wasn't really until we got to do the movie Can't Stop the Music, which is actually late in making the movie. Yes. But at first. Um, the gay community, you know, men, the men didn't embrace the uh, the, the look and the image because they felt that it was a sellout, you know, that that these guys with this French producer are doing gay music. And, uh, you know, it's a sellout to the lifestyle. Um, and so basically, you know, that took a while. It was the straight kids that saw us on TV, the straight kids and the girls that bought the albums and they catapulted the record or the albums, you know, as we would tour, you could see in Cashbox was a, a, like Billboard magazine. You could see by territory, whenever we would head south, the record sales at Peaches and Tower Records would soar. So we were always attacking on three fronts, live, radio, TV, live shows at night and touring and then record appearances record store appearances. So that took a while, but the explosion with middle America with that winking in the eye, sort of like they're in on the joke, but they didn't know what the joke was. Right. <laughs> and That's then, interesting. Course, then as the music started really, really becoming really popular, then many gay men then embraced it and then fell in love with it. And then, yes, then I had a lot of men that, that, <laughs> that I, that I had and we had and, all that. But Work. I was always working. So, um, you know, it was a very interesting time because then right into the late 80s, uh, late 70s, we went, went right into our AIDS epidemic. Yeah. And that was scary enough to really stop, you know, drinking with anybody. It's, you know, it's, and, it's kind of amazing to me that of the original lineup, none of you passed away from AIDS. I, I know. Uh, there was one who died of cancer, but it was not related to, to, yes. But but it's amazing that you, you all managed to survive the AIDS crisis. I have a feeling that, uh, thank you for that. And I really do, I have a feeling that it was a lot in part in due with the, with the group because I could never stay at a club into the wee hours of the morning because I always had to turn around and say, oh God, I got to leave, I got to catch a flight. You were too busy so, to fuck. Well, 
Uh, well, you know, I thought that one day I'm going to make my way up to the mine shaft up the stairs. And a guy that used to work for me said, you can't go there because you, you know, you're now famous. You're not part of us. You you are up there in that stratosphere. Nah, I wanted to go. And as I started walking up the stairs and I saw the American flag hanging up there, the minute I got to the top landing, YMCA came on and I turned around and I went down the stairs and I left. So, so I, I, I never, I never got to go to the mine shaft. Man, I feel like if I became like a famous pop star, I would just never stop getting my dick sucked. Well, I didn't say that I didn't get it. <laughs> Listen, uh, um, and and he, and he's called Rex. He got a lot of exercise back in those. Your days. dick is called Rex. That's what we call them. Right. Mean, isn't that one of the questions that you always ask? Yes, I will be asking you more about your penis in just a bit. <laughs> but Felipe, you mentioned Can't Stop the Music, the ill-fated 1980 musical starring the Village People and directed by Nancy Walker. I'm so fascinated by this because, first of all, I was nine years old when that came out, and I remember going to Baskin-Robbins Ice Cream and seeing a tie-in promotion for the movie and I've also read the Alan Carr book and, and watched the documentary about Alan Carr. It's got to be one of the strangest movies ever made. What, what do you remember? What's your memory of the experience of making Can't Stop the Music? It was difficult um, because the, 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 they took all the fun out of it because the, the ex-producer Jacques Morelli and Alan Carr, I mean, you had two of them, two of the most flamboyant gay queens mm -hmm. that were in the business. And so there was pull for control. And Alan Carr wanted the movie to go one way. Well, first of all, to cast the movie, literally they went down the roller deck. The first one was going to be Olivia Newton-John. Then she said no. Then Cher, she said no. I mean, they went on. Raquel Welch, she said no. Uh, what's the girl, the one from The Deep, or the uh, Jacqueline Bissette? Right. Where we all met with her in La Dome in L.A. And finally, when they... They got down the V. Valerie, Valerie Perrine, you know. who is yeah. fabulous. Then, I mean, it was a good and then cast. They in, then they brought in Bruce Jenner, who was really just a gorgeous-looking man, but then he hated us. Yeah, because he was he was probably so phobic. And, of course, Nancy Walker, who had never directed a movie before and certainly shouldn't have been directing this movie, I read in the book Alan Carr called her cunt. They hated each other. We just stood by, and we, you know, when you're on a highway and you're wondering why the traffic is, so slow, and then when you get to the car wreck, you ha can't help but look as you go by. Yes. Well, that's what I felt like. It felt like they were just at each other. And then Bruce and Valerie, they couldn't stand each other. So, and then I, we had Steve Gutenberg, and he was like, and everybody was on drugs. <laughs> Every, also, these Davis, everybody was on drugs. They did more cocaine on that set. And then Tammy Grimes, she would take her pills and slap her face to wake up to act. You know, to get into that. I feel like we need, we need to do a whole show where we only talk about Can't Stop the Music, because I really do want to hear I all the stories. I've never seen it before. But do you realize that Can't Stop the Music in Australia on Channel 9 every night, New Year's Eve, they've been playing it every night, and New Year's Eve, before the, uh, the, uh, the clock strikes 12. Every night they play it on TV, and they call it You Can't Stop the Music. And, that, and we were just there in May before the end of the group, and that was my 39th trip to Australia. That, wow. of course, is my favorite So it's, it's become like their Wizard of Oz, the way we watch Wizard of Oz every year. They watch Can't Stop the, the Music. Way, yeah, the way we love Greece, you know, like, like mm -hmm. Can't Stop the Music play like that. In other parts of the world, in Argentina, it's still playing at midnight, like the Rocky Horror Show on weekends. I love it. It still plays, you know, in a, a big art, in a, All right, one of Cyrus in one of the big theaters. So it's a cult movie now. Felipe, we have just five minutes left. It's time to play our favorite game, Ask Me No Questions. Ask me no questions. Ask me no questions. Yeah. What's the most number of men you've had sex with in a single night? I would say three. Oh, that's not so many. Uh, and, uh, and a pair of twins in Paris. Hey, that's hot. Okay, you told us your penis has a nickname, Rex. Uh, why do you call it Rex, and what are the dimensions? Oh, well, he's gargantuan. He's huge. How Thank big? God. Uh, well, I'm over seven. Let's just leave it there. Congratulations. And thick. Is I, this Adam? Adam, am I talking to you? Of course it's me. Oh, I, my I, God. I, I imagine it being very thick, too. And yes, it is. I'm such a fan of yours. You know that, right? Aw, right back at you, baby. <laughs> we'll, have you, we'll have you on again. 
You need to. Uh, okay, Felipe, do you ever release your native call while you're climaxing? Uh, <laughs> I've done it a couple of times just because it was just so hot. And they just looked at me like, oh, my God, what was that? Hit us with it one more time. You know, when when Damn. I used to hear you do that on the Frank DeCaro show, I thought it was like a, a an instrument you were playing. I didn't realize you were doing that with your voice. No, I'm doing that with my throat. You should see the wonderful things I can do with peanut butter. Now. All right. You don't have to tell Damn. us you don't have to tell us who, but have you ever had sex with a famous male celebrity that nobody knows is gay? Well, yeah, but hmm. I know Sam was Sam Harris. Yeah, Sam Harris in Europe. Um, but but I think nobody knew he was gay back then. Who else? Uh, hmm. No, just close encounters, but not really. You know. What all about the way. what about other members of the Village People? Did you hook up with any of them? No, that's no. You be, literally become. You know, you work together. You become like brothers. You become, you know, we did laugh a lot. We played a lot on the back of the bus, played music day and night. Randy Jones and David Holder and I, when Dolly Parton, Here, we, here You Come Again, or here, whatever the, the name of that album, and we just wore that album out. I always pictured but you and Randy. Casablanca Records, we always were the first ones to get the cassettes of like of the Donna Summer's latest, you know. Right. So uh, the tour bus was always really a lot of fun. But I always, picture, fun. I always pictured you and Randy like hooking up because I think you two are the sexiest. Well, thank you. And we're still very close. We were just on the phone the other day. He's a doll. Uh, okay, Felipe, when it comes to butts, do you prefer smooth or hairy? Hairy. Yes, Felipe. But I'm I'm smooth, so I need hair. I can't even grow a mustache. Mm, I prefer you. I, I prefer 66, hairless myself. I'm Sixty-six years old. I can't even grow a mustache. Sixty-six. Yeah. And Rex is still working. And Rex still works. Good for you, <laughs> Felipe. What is your favorite yeah. Village People song? You know, I'm going to tell you that it will probably be. Um, well, it was Macho Man, but now it's Go West because I just heard Me it. Me too. Again. Oh, my gosh. That is a Go fabulous song. But, and, then, and the fact that the, you know, uh, Chris and Neil of the Pet Shop Boys redid it mm -hmm. and they left our vocals in the back. They should have had us in the video. I agree. So I was in college when uh, Pet Shop Boys version came out and I was like, I fucking love this song. And then I found out that you guys had done it first, and I like your version even more. That is a wonderful anthem. I love totally. that. I'm hearing from when you were nine, now you were in college. Okay, keep going. I'm getting older and older. Well, now I'm almost 50. So, uh, do you know that the music is charting now, right? YMCA is number two on the Yes, oh so how do, you, how do you feel about the fact that Donald Trump made the village people his official uh, music for all of his hate rallies? That's the million-dollar question, and even though the ex-lead singer Victor Willis tried to stop them, it, you know, you can go ahead and stop, and that means that you have to use lawyers and you got to pay the money. And so after a while, it was like when we realized that the music was charting and climbing the charts, uh, you know, why fight something when there's new money coming in? Sure, And you might have just left it. And then I did a video. I think you saw it, right? Of yes. Jumping on Trump. You know, that— <laughs> was taken down. So just to be clear, uh, you did not give you, you you have no say in whether Donald Trump plays your music. No, because I don't own the music publishing and I don't own the uh, uh, I didn't write the song. And that's what now Victor's trying to do. He wants to get together other musicians, other singers or people that have written music from preventing blanket licenses to be sold to other people because they, they want to start a committee to make sure that what are you using the music for? Oh, religion? No. Politics? No. And even though our music was, uh, always has been, intended for everyone to be inclusive and you can listen to it and you might get something else, interpretation out of it on your way, and then another straight person might listen to it and, and hear something else. It was still just great music for everyone to dance to. And just we, have to we have to leave it there, Felipe. Thank you so much. Okay, We're going to have you back where we can talk uh, to you for longer. I love you. Stay well. 
Tune in next week to hear another brand new episode. It's our best of Ask Me No Questions special. Subscribe to this podcast at dnrstudios.com. Don't forget to order your Ask Merch at adamsank.com. Follow me, me, on Twitter and Instagram at adamsank. Follow Ryan and JB at Ryan Frosting and Stocking Anarchy 12. Email me at adam at adamsank.com. Have a great week, bitches. Bye. Bye. 